Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. We welcome you tonight to our study of end times. We are coming to the end of the end of the study of end times. But we're over in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21. Now before I start, I want you to know that I'm going to fail at what I'm attempting tonight. I have bitten off more than I can chew. That's right. There's no way I can succeed in what I want to do today, and that is tell you how great heaven is. But there's no way I can do it because the description is beyond words. You remember Paul said he knew a man, and he was speaking of himself, that uh, was translated into paradise. And he said he saw things and heard things that he couldn't speak. Uh, They were just unutterable, too fantastic to mention. In fact, we just have no point of reference when it comes to heaven. Anytime we describe things in this life, we have to go from the familiar to the unfamiliar. We have to have some point of reference, something that we can understand and then try to explain what's not understood. But when it comes to heaven, it's so far greater than anything on this earth, we really don't have a point of reference. And that's why I believe God doesn't spend too much time telling us about heaven. Chapters 21 and 22 of Revelation uh, are pretty much uh, the main things we have about heaven. And can you compare the rest of the Bible... Two chapters is not that much. Uh, And there are a number of reasons why he didn't tell us more. One is, again, we couldn't understand it and comprehend it if he did. And secondly, uh, we'll know it when we get there. And all we need to know is what he has told us. And we're going to be looking at a number of those things in the next couple of weeks. But if you want to boil it down, I think, to, to its essence, heaven is God's most sublime plans for his children or heaven is god's best plans for his children or heaven is god's best for his children any way you want to put it but it is the absolute beyond the shadow of a doubt best most sublime encountering experience that god's children can and ever will have when i was in college i went to school out in mississippi so on the holidays would be the only time I'd get to come back home. But I'd travel home on those holidays, be it Thanksgiving, be it Christmas. And I knew my mom was going to have my favorite meal when I got there that night. I knew she was going to have my favorite meal. I knew she was going to have my favorite dessert. Because she knew her baby was coming home and she had good plans for me. But now you're God's child. And you can be assured that God who knows all... And God, who is able to do all, has got some great plans for you and for me when we come home to heaven. My mom was limited in what she could do because her resources were limited. But God is unlimited. There's no limit to what He can do for His children. And since He knows all, He knows what will absolutely be the best, most pleasurable, enjoyable thing for His children. And because He is infinite in His love, For his children, you can be certain 
that heaven is going to be God's best for his children. It will be the most enjoyable place possible for his children. Now we begin to get an idea why it is indescribable. Because it's just so much greater than anything we can imagine. And so what the Bible does do is God takes things that we can relate to, like tears and pain, and he says, now, that's not going to be in heaven. I say, you can relate to that, all right? You can understand what's not going to be. You take what's here on earth that you don't like, that bothers you, that gives you problems, and then God says, that's not going to be in heaven. So that's what we're going to look at tonight, what's not going to be in heaven. And then next week, Lord willing, we'll see some of the things that will be in heaven. All right, chapter 21 of Revelation, beginning in verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. First, no tears, no sorrow in heaven. This world is full of sorrow. I have been with families when they have had the doctor come out and say, I'm sorry, but the report is not good. I'm sorry, but it's cancer. I've been with families when the doctors come out and said, I'm sorry, we did all we could do, but we couldn't save it. Life is filled with sorrows. I've sat with a man whose 19-year-old daughter was killed in an automobile wreck, saw the sorrow that still weighed on his heart, that the rest of his life he would carry with him. I had a friend of mine whose wife was electrocuted, accidentally electrocuted in their home. He left with three small children, the pain and sorrow that was weighing on his heart. There are sorrows and tears abundant in this life. But praise God, there will be no sorrow, no tears in heaven. In God's most sublime plans for our future, there's absolutely no place for sorrow or crying or tears. There'll be absolutely nothing in heaven that will ever cause you one second of sorrow. There'll be no disappointments. There'll be no unfulfilled desires. In this life, we get our hopes up only to be disappointed. We desire great things for our families only to discover we cannot provide them. We experience the frustrations and heartaches of families breaking apart, of children being in trouble with the law. But praise God, in heaven, that we'll be free from all disappointments, all sorrows. If you're burdened with sorrows and disappointments and heartaches, today I want you to know when you get to heaven, you'll be free from all of that completely throughout all eternity next there'll be no pain no distress no suffering in heaven 
He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain. Now, pain is an awful thing. If you've ever had a toothache, or a migraine headache, or a backache, like Tom had in Romania, it is awful. When you're in enough pain, you'll do anything, no matter how much it costs, to get rid of that pain. Especially when it's chronic pain. Pain from surgery, pain from arthritis, pain from a slip disc, torn rotator cuff, pain from a burst up knee. I mean, we've all had pain. Everyone in here has had pain. And some people have to live in constant pain. I knew a lady who had rheumatoid arthritis and her joints were all just, just gnarled. I mean, she just was in pain day in and day out. But praise God. In God's highest plans for his children, he eliminated all pain. In heaven, his children will be completely free from all aches and pains. That backache, that arthritis, that bursitis, be gone. You'll live totally free from any pain. No sorrows, no disappointments, no anguish, nothing to make you sad or make you cry, and absolutely no pain at all. Hallelujah. Next, there will be no night there. Look in verse 25 of Revelation 21. And his gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. No night. At night, the world is in darkness, symbolic of the darkness of sin. None of us like to venture into the darkness. We just kind of have an aversion to darkness, don't we? How many night lights are there in rooms throughout the world and it's not safe for anyone to walk in certain parts of atlanta at night and other major cities same problem you just better not go there at night the majority of crimes occur at night hence that natural dread for darkness we have security lights lights that come on when motion goes by but there will be no night in heaven the lord god will be its light and he will give a radiant, pure, unending light. All will be revealed. All will be safe. The dread of night, the fear of darkness, of loneliness will be completely removed. There will be no night there. Also, there will be no hunger or thirst. In Revelation chapter 7, in verses 16 and 17, we read, And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not smite them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. No hunger, no thirst. A large part of the undeveloped third world experiences hunger, suffers from starvation, but there will be no hunger in heaven. Jesus will feed us. He'll be all we need. He will feed us from the bread of life and the waters of life. There'll be no hunger. There'll be no thirst. And we talked about we'll eat, but it'll be all for pleasure. But you won't get hungry. Next, there will be no temptation or sin in heaven. We're back to Revelation chapter 21 in verse 27. But nothing unclean will enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. No temptation, no sin. 
Now, when we live here on this earth, we are continually plagued by temptation from every side. We are constantly struggling with our own sinful nature who wants us to do wrong, and we don't want to do wrong. Paul expressed the struggles in Romans 7. It seems like the very things he wanted to do, he couldn't do. You, you've been there. And the very things he didn't want to do, he found himself doing. We struggle with that. Many times we just grow weary with this constant struggling against the flesh and sin and temptation. We wish we could just be free from it. Well, praise God, in heaven we will be. Our sin nature will be left in the grave. And when our bodies come up out of the grave, resurrected, perfected, and glorified, there will be no sin nature. I am thoroughly convinced that it would not be possible for you to sin in heaven. Your sin nature will be left behind. Just as much as it's impossible for you to fly today, just as much as it's impossible for you to fly around this room right now, it will be that impossible for you to sin in heaven. You can't fly because it's not your nature to fly. And it won't be your nature to sin. And you will not be able to sin. You probably wouldn't even be able to think up a sin if you tried. Because you only have holy and righteous and pure thoughts. You'll have no desire to sin. Every desire that you will have will be a holy and righteous and godly desire. You can do anything you want. Because everything you want is going to be holy and righteous. It's going to be good. It's going to be perfect. So whatever you want to do is the right thing to do. Because you're only going to want to do what's righteous and holy because there will be no sin nature. You will only desire to please God. Hallelujah. Be no temptation or sin in heaven. Next, there will be no sun or moon in verse 23 of Revelation 21. And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. When God created the sun and the moon on the fourth day, He said the greater light was to rule the day and the lesser light rule the night. Remember? And the sun is indispensable to our existence. We all know that. We have to have sunlight for the growth of the plants, photosynthesis. We have to have it to provide heat to this earth. If the sun ceased to shine only in a matter of weeks, we would be nothing but a frozen mass. But there's no need for the sun or the moon in heaven. There'll be no night, so there's no need for the moon. The glory of God will be our light. Jesus is the lamp. Our way will be illuminated by the light of God's glory. Just as a holy of holies in the tabernacle had no source of light other than the glory of God. When the high priest went in to the holy of holies, it was absolutely no human or no physical light in that place. But the glory of God was its light. So in God's dwelling in heaven, His dwelling place, He will be the light. We'll use His glory to see how to get around. Not only will it, I think there's a double meaning here. The light will also mean enlightenment. That's that idea of the absolute knowledge we'll have. His glory will not only show us how we can get around and we can see, but it will also be our enlightenment. We will have perfect knowledge. Next, there will be no temple in heaven. Verse 22, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty, 
and the Lamb. Now, the Greek word refers to the Holy of Holies. Now, there's no need for a building representing God's presence, is it? Because He's there. You know, as I just said, in the Old Testament, God resided in the Holy of Holies, there between the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant lid. He was said to dwell. He dwelt in His Son, Jesus, when Jesus came on earth. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Remember? And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only unique of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, in heaven, God is going to be there in His fullness, and therefore no temple is needed. He's there. He will be visibly present in heaven. He will dwell among us continually. We will have un hindered, rich, full communion with Him. There is no need for the shadow when the reality has come. Also, there will be no closed gates, verse 25. And His gates will never be shut by day. Absolute security and safety. That's why I don't need gates. Back in biblical days, you know all cities had gates and they had it for protection. But because heaven is a place of absolute security... In absolute safety, there'll be no need for any gates to be closed. All of heaven's inhabitants will have immediate, unhindered access to God. Also, there will be no curse. In chapter 22, in verse 3, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. The curse entered creation. It entered the present age when sin entered. The curse, as we know, brought sickness and disease and death and crime and starvation and war and evil and heartaches and on and on. But in this new age, heaven, the curse and all of its effects are gone completely. We saw in the millennial kingdom they were greatly reversed, but they were not completely eradicated. But in heaven, the curse is completely, totally eradicated there is no curse and then number 11 there will be no longing for this life in isaiah chapter 65 the prophet is speaking about heaven and he says in verse 17 and god is actually speaking through the prophet for behold i create new heavens and a new earth and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. He says that we will not remember anything in this life, in this past. Even the greatest things here will be forgotten compared to the glory and joy of heaven. Family relationships will pale in comparison to the glory and joy of heaven. And when he says he wipes away every tears, I believe, as I have said earlier, that I believe he's going to wipe away every remembrance of anything that would cause us any moment of sadness and pain in this life. Someone has said, will we recognize each other in heaven? Will we recognize family members in heaven? I believe we will. And then someone says, well, what about the person whose family member doesn't go to heaven? And to that, my response is, 
They won't have any remembrance of them. God's going to wipe that away. You'll only see the ones that you see will be the ones you remember. That relative that didn't go to heaven, they won't even be a thought. He's going to erase that out of your heart and mind. Otherwise, you would be miserable. How could you have an unending joy and no pain and sorrow if a loved one you knew was not in heaven with you? So God is able to do all this, and he is going to perfectly enable us to enjoy the loved ones who are in heaven with us and at the same time have no memory or awareness of any loved one here on earth who is not in heaven. I don't think there can be any other way to see it. And I think, again, that's what this verse says when it says, And the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Next week, Lord willing, we will look at what will be in heaven. Tonight we saw what will not be. Next week, what will be there. That concludes our study.